The rich have always made the rules. Rules about tax savings, social security, required minimum distributions, financial do's and don'ts. But they don't tell you what those rules are. Because if you knew the rules, you could take advantage of them like the wealthy do. Where do you go to learn about these rules? And how do you take advantage of them for your benefit? Learn about your financial power on the Total Financial Hour with host Arif Halaby, Sundays at 11 a.m. on AM870, The Answer. That's Sundays at 11 a.m. on AM870, The Answer. The information on this show is not intended to be the primary basis for investment decisions and should not be used to provide financial advice. Please obtain the guidance of a financial professional regarding your particular financial concerns. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. This program reflects the views of Arif Halavi, California Insurance License 0B93792 of TFS Financial Insurance Services. TFS Financial Insurance Services, California Insurance License Number 0F22477, provides retirement income strategies using insurance and annuity products, which are guaranteed by the claims-paying ability of the issuing company. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy, learn from Arab Halaby. Hey, welcome to the show. Thanks for being with here today. We talk about your family's finances, getting out of debt, managing money. This is a crazy time, isn't it? If you watch the news for the week, right, you think, wait a second, is that Venezuela? No, no, no. Oh, it's got to be the takeover of Cuba. Remember when Fidel went after his political opponents? Remember the same far left that ran around, told President Trump, I know Hillary Clinton destroyed 30,000 plus emails. I know she disobeyed a subpoena. I know she flaunted a relationship with the FBI, disrespected them publicly. But do not go after her. President Trump, this is not a banana republic. This is not a place where you put your political foes in jail. You don't go after them. And heaven forbid, their family is hands off. Even the mafia has, right? Even the mafia has rules about, I don't know if they they follow them all the time, but listen, they have rules about going after family, right? I mean, that's a problem when you don't have some set of rules or guidance, except Let's be clear, the Democrat Party, the progressives, the far left have decided not only are they going to go after President Trump, but his family. They're going to do the same thing they did when they went after Michael Flynn. Remember, the only reason he he copped out to to being uh, to to lying to the FBI was because they went after his son. That's open record. Now, you know, why should you care about this? Well, because the moment you try to bring up something as an argument, the moment you try to say something that isn't popular, they go through various phases to shut you down. The first is there's this open conversation slowly dripped into everything you talk and see. They use the word offended. Listen, Facebook is a part of it with the likes. I mean, you understand you want strangers to like you. You want strangers to approve And when one of them says something against what you believe or what you said on Twitter or on Facebook, you immediately change your behavior or you you go into a depression, uh, you know, curly ball and you sit in the corner and rock. And you say, gosh, you know, Susie from the third grade, I know I haven't seen her for 17 years, but she said she doesn't like me or she made a rude comment. Uh, look, the the old adage is not completely true, but it does have some merit here. 
Sticks and stones can break my bones, but words may never hurt me. Right there, there's some there's some merit to that because words can really hurt people. I mean, we know that, but it's the words from the people that matter to you that can hurt you. Right? How many of you go home and and uh, you know take a Xanax and and curl up in a ball when you're driving down the street and somebody cuts you off and flips you off? Right? Calls you a name. Eight seconds later, you should forget about that person. They drove away. They mean nothing to you. They're a stranger. But now your mom and dad come over eight o'clock at night. They say, we need to have a heart-to-heart talk. And they talk about some of your behavior, some of your issues. That should matter. It isn't what they say. It's who says it. What Facebook did is they blended those things. What the Democrat, progressive Democrat party and Twitter have done is blended those things. Whereas the merit of the criticism or the comment is the value, not the person saying it, right? If, if one of my sisters says, hey, Arif, we have to talk about this and I, I don't think you're doing this right or this is wrong. I listen. It makes sense. I may still not agree at the end of the story, but at least I'm going to listen. But when a stranger drives by and they say something or, or right, they, they think you went into the crosswalk. We all have made this mistake. Your car is a little bit too far in the crosswalk. The person walks by and yells at you or something. You go, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't, I didn't realize it. I didn't realize I creeped into the crosswalk. Okay, sorry. They walk by. You might be a little rattled. You might feel bad. And then you turn up the music and you start singing along. Right? Shania Twain comes on. Life is good again. What? what? But what have you done? Well, progressives go through the system and they start dropping this not fair, it's not right, hate speech. You understand it does not exist. UFOs are more likely to exist than hate speech. There is no such, well, what about if somebody says something really dirty and nasty? Well, that's called protected speech. They should be allowed to say that. They can stand on the corner and say the most vile things about a race, religion, or sex, orientation. I am not going to be your friend. Why? Because I do not know you. Your words do not affect me. Now, if my closest friends, or my wife, or my sister, or my my cousins, okay, well, that matters. Right? That's different. But what the left has done is they've kind of poisoned this organizational uh, infiltration in our life, by you being upset that you didn't get likes. So where does this kind of cross the line? Why does that matter? Because of the story I'm going to tell you. There's a gentleman many years ago, I want to say it's about a decade ago, who won the lottery. 50 million plus dollars. Five zero. He didn't tell his family, sisters, family. He didn't tell his parents who have now passed away, so they never knew. He bought a new truck, bought a new house. He kind of slowly stopped working, retired. He just kind of lived a a little bit better than normal life, but nothing extravagant. And his reasoning for not telling anybody was because he didn't want them to ask for money and he didn't want, ready for this, their opinion of him to change. Now, he can decide what 
you know, whether he tells everybody, listen, if you tell one person, right, what is it the, uh, the mob says how to keep a secret between two people? Well, when one of them is dead, right? <laughs> it's, it's a little rude, but you get the idea. If you tell one person, eventually everybody will know. So he didn't. He didn't tell anybody. I don't think he's even married. It's a story I read, so, so I don't know the rest of the details. But I understand not wanting the opinion of him in the eyes of the people he cared about. But you see, that's the conversation to have. You say, well, how does that matter? Well, because phase two comes along. And what is phase two? It's, well, it's very simple. Now they come in and they start telling your businesses how to run. Here's a good example. South Africa, when apartheid was being eliminated and they went to one of the wealthiest men in South Africa and he said, I'm going to, to mentor, I'm going to select and mentor 10 black men and teach them the business of what I do. I want to know what their, their conversations are. I want to see where I can help. I want to be a transitional figure at this time in South African history. This is decades ago, whenever they, they made their changes, right? And the conversation went something like this. Well, here's what you can do. You need to give us 50% of the board. We need to sit on 50, 50% of the board. He said, all right, I'm going to do it. And he did. And then what happened? Well, it's very simple. Along this way, every state organization said, well, now we don't want 50%. Now we want 80% because there's 80% blacks in the community. So they must be representative on the boards of the, of the companies. And they don't ask, right? They just riot or they push and pull. And then here's what happened. Very simple. It's not a big deal. The airline went bankrupt. The trains went bankrupt. The utilities are nearly bankrupt. Every public company, the people at the top stole the money. They have houses in many different countries, bank accounts in many different countries. And they left the same people that they proclaim to care about in the dust. They got theirs. Everybody got mine. I want to get mine. Now, you might say, well, that would never happen here. Excuse me. You just let them call hate speech. You just allowed Canadians and a British royal P.O. whatever you want to call it. A royal piece of work to talk about his disgust for the First Amendment. You know, in Canada, there is no such thing. You can't say things that you want. They look the same. They talk like us. They're like 15 minutes over the border. You just go over. You can throw a baseball. They throw it back. Everything's great. Life is good, except try to say the same thing. At least when you go to another country, you, you're kind of aware that the rules are a bit different. But in Canada, when you go there, you're thinking to yourself, well, this is just like home. They got a little funny accent, but so do the folks in Minnesota. So maybe it's the same. You go to jail for free speech. And now you guys are allowing them to do that. Now, okay, so what does that phase mean? Well, now, ha-ha, now, this next phase is your pocketbook. Because now they force the companies to, quote, be representative. Look, I'm all right with that. If that's the game we're playing, if you guys say that's what we're doing, I may not agree with it, but I'll, but I'll play along. But you need to. Absolutely, you have to change the NBA. The NBA, Major League Baseball, the professional NFL. 
They need to be representative of their community. Why is the NBA all of one race, nearly? Right? Why aren't there Asians on the field or Hispanics? Latinos? What, 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 where are they? Where are Jewish kids? I, I want to see them on the court. Oh, oh, wait, it's about merit, right? Is that what you're saying? If they can hack it, they can stay? Ah. So, so why is that different in the boardroom? Wall Street? Main Street? Oh, because, because you think that. Because you get enough likes. So where this impacts you guys is, believe it or not, the only way these organizations can start manipulating points of view, canceling free speech, believe it or not, it's by taking government money. Uh, I mean, your money. With higher taxes. If you don't think higher taxes are coming, I don't know what, you know, what rock you've been living under. Because not only are they coming, but they're coming strong. They're going to blame everything from they tried climate change. They did that whole mess. Right. There's a drought. Here's my contention. Let's be clear on this drought. Just go to the Columbia River. Go to the Sacramento River Delta. Go to any of these huge rivers that are pouring trillions of gallons of fresh water out to sea. Scratch your head and say, I got it. I got a pipeline. I'm going to run it up the middle of that river. As the water comes out, I'm going to run it maybe 20 miles, maybe 10, I don't know, whatever, out to sea. Run it down the coast of California, right down the coast of Oregon, wherever it might go. Whichever river system you're going to take from. I'm going to drop it into where? Oh, maybe... San Jose, right, for the drought in Cal. Maybe drop it down in, in Los Angeles. Pluck, uh, plug it in, you know, hook it up, connect it to the existing water system. And, oh, wait. You're telling me that pipeline had a leak? You mean water got into water? Oh, well, that's probably okay. Oh, a public jobs work? Yeah, maybe. I, I mean, uh, listen, it's not my idea, State senators from California have figured this out, or, but, but they're just the wrong political party. So you have to ask yourself, it, when you're looking at an idea that actually solves the problem, why do the people in power not want to solve the problem? Because they can't take from you. If they actually solve the problem, if in President Trump's world in January of 2020, the economy was on the rebound. There was a virus. Absolutely. Experts, CDC, everybody said, don't wear a mask. Uh, continue your business. Uh, ICU beds are going to be open and ready to go. We're going to maybe uh, you know, create an extra hospital bed or two. President Trump sent the hospital ship, the Mercy ship, to New York. What did it have, five people on it or something? It was a big dud. Oh, air of people died. Yeah, they died with coronavirus listen uh, we have people that are that have uh, sat in my office that have worked at hospital facilities that have talked about people dying from shootings and stabbings and car accidents and on the paperwork it listed coronavirus as the as the reason oh because they tested they didn't even know they had the virus 
Unless the virus was on the end of the knife as they were getting stabbed. Maybe that's where the virus came from. Or the bullet had a virus. I mean, come on. So what did they do? They shut down the economy. And here's how it impacts you. We had a year, year and a half of very little money. I was going to say no money, but very little money going into the social security system. Because it comes from what's called earned income. The, the taxes that go into Social Security come from your earned, from your working years, kind of like you participate. So when you get free government money, when you have dividends, rental property income, 401k distribution, a pension plan, none of that is earned income. So the, the reaction to the virus, it's not the virus, it's the reaction. I'm going to call it the overreaction to the virus. I think it's clear now that we made mistakes. You can go back a year on my shows. I'm telling you we made a mistake. Now, we thought it was a big deal the first couple weeks. Yeah, we did because that's what we were told and we believed it. And then suddenly my eyes actually worked, (laughs) right? And you started going common sense. And I tell you ladies, because you guys listen to it, not all men do, that intuition. Trust your gut. If you look around, you go, listen, I don't know what's wrong, but something's wrong. I'm not sure. You don't have to know exactly what's wrong. You just got got a feeling like, what are they not telling us? Why is it that Gavin Newsom, in the, in the height of the pandemic, can ask the French Laundry restaurant, one of the most expensive restaurants in the state, maybe the country, he can be with the head of the California Medical Association. I don't mean a dummy doctor. I don't mean, you know, the C-minus doctor who, who still is called doctor. I'm talking about a lady who is very smart, top of her class, knows what she's doing, very well connected in both the medical and the political world. They had zero distance between them. They did not wear masks, and they were in an enclosed environment. You cannot call that a mistake. You can't say, oh, well, I guess I messed up. No, you guys. This is that trust your eyes, don't let your lion, what is the country song, don't let your lion eyes deceive you? You saw it. At that moment, I knew it was over. I knew the rest of the reaction was a bunch of baloney. Now, listen, if you're sick, if you have diabetes, really the big, the big question is you're overweight. You know, all of us can lose a pound or two, and maybe not. I don't know. The problem is this. When HIV came out, I was a Los Angeles policeman. I remember going to homes of, of people that were dying. It was, it was a horrible, horrible thing. Families were torn apart. And it was uh, a, a disease that affected gay men primarily. Very, very few people, right? They, they, they worked the daylights out of Ryan White, that poor kid. Got it from a transfusion. And I think another lady got it from dental, dental instruments, infected uh, unclean dental instruments. And of course, other people. But if, if you were going to raise money to find a cure for a devastating disease... At the time, you could not use IV drug users and gay men, promiscuous gay men, as poster children. I mean, listen, that's just the way it is. So they had to make it about everybody and boogeyman and watch out around the corner in any minute. They had to. I had very close friends. I had people I knew that worked in the uh, AIDS uh, uh, organization in L.A. A- and they were very upset that this was becoming this 
political hot button. I mean, it was a two-edged sword. They knew they needed the funds, but the funds were being redirected to useless prevention ideas, right? Uh, sex uh, education in, in schools and all of this multi-million dollar billboard. They wanted the money to go to research to find a cure, but it wasn't popular. They had to figure out a way to make it. It's about all of us. Fast forward a year and a half ago. If you said, oh, by the way, we've now figured it out that it's about people that are overweight. People that pass away are the, are the ones that are overweight and they have comorbidities, at least two generally, weight and diabetes, weight and, and high blood pressure. Instead of putting the responsibility back on the person's actions, in other words, instead of finding a way that we could actually fix it, they shut down the entire country. They defunded and probably bankrupted Social Security. They, they created the pension plan system in which earned income is how you made money. Right? The dollars went into the police pensions. They went into city, county, General Motors, on and on and on. All the funds that went into union and non-union pensions, right? All, the funds no longer went that way. So union workers were not being paid wages in which there would be a union uh, fee or a pension contribution. Because when you are in that window of time, and I'm going to go over that on the second half of the, uh, of the show here, when you're in that window of time where if anything happens to you, uh, economically speaking, retirement is at risk. It's kind of like that time with one foot on the dock and one foot on the, the boat. And when the boat is tied to the dock, you can play pretend all day long. But soon you get closer to retirement and that boat starts to drift and you have to make a choice. You're either going to jump on the boat and you're going to retire or you're going to stay on the dock and you might work another two or five years until the next boat comes along and you have another option to retire. But if you don't make a decision, if you're in that window of time and you wait and you wait and you wait you're going to get wet. You splash in the water. So on the second half of the show, we're going to cover that. Some of those things that you need to know. Part of this important redirection isn't just that six people decided that they were going to spend money this direction. What they did was something completely different. What the progressives did is they saw an opportunity to derail the president, to create fear, to cause this in your face, literally the masks, that physicians will tell you privately, do nothing, virtually nothing to stop, especially when you're wearing a mask outdoors by yourself. You're walking a dog. I don't know. Dennis, uh, Dennis Prager talks about, you know, hey, you, uh, you, um, you know, you got to start shaming these folks. I don't know. I think he makes a joke about it. He says these people that wear a mask that run around scared. Uh, I think you've got to ask yourself this question. Am I willing to live a safe life? Right? If that was the case, then you wouldn't have had any intimate relations during the HIV crisis. You wouldn't have shaken anybody's hand. Right? Because they tried to scare the heck out of you. After a while, people knew. It doesn't mean, you know, gay folks are, are less human beings. Of course not. Don't be disgusting. We needed a cure. We have to have a cure. But the, the powers that be on the left at the time 
lied to you that it was anybody, anytime, could be here to get the funding. I would have still given my money. And I think most of Americans would still give their money. Taxes or not taxes. But it goes to show you that they didn't have the trust or respect in the American consumer back then. They just didn't. The American taxpayer. And guess what they did again? Except now they control the social media. Now, the people from Twitter run your life because somebody somewhere says something, they change a definition in Wikipedia during a congressional hearing. Because somebody somewhere says something, Nancy Pelosi thinks she has the right to rip up the speech behind the President of the United States. That was basically an insurrection. If you don't understand that she lacks any leadership qualities and her own power, her own uh, power base, they're going to tax you. Listen, it's not so much that you're rich. Dianne Feinstein is is beyond wealthy, right? She's a member of the far left by default because she wants to stay in power. But how are they going to take your money? If you're a conservative, you're you're on their horizon. We've got some solutions for you when we come back. 888-99-RETIRE. 888-997-3847. 888-99-RETIRE. I'll be right back. I'm Eric about financial power, the total financial hour. Now, Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arif Halaby. Hey, welcome back to the show. Thanks for staying with me. I'm Arif Halaby. The triple eight ninety nine retire. That's eight 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 nine nine seven three eight four seven. That's our phone number. Hey, I want to give you a couple of uh, updates here on what we're seeing in the retirement world because of the reaction to the pandemic. And I'm going to encourage you guys to use those terms. No longer say because of the pandemic or because of COVID. I think you should put because of the reaction to COVID, the reaction to the pandemic, because that's, that's the truth. I think because of the reaction to COVID, you're going to see some retirement uh, insecurities because you think you're playing by your set of rules. And you might have a great amount of uh, income, money, savings, all of that. That's wonderful. But here's the challenge. If you're in this five-year window, I say five, it could be a little more, a little less. But if you're in this five-year window from the time you're going to leave your profession, the job that pays you a lot of money, and then go to a retirement source of income and expenditures, if you're within that window, either you've just retired and then the next five years or five years before you actually kind of pull the trigger, as they say, right? This is important. You know this because during that window, that 10-year window, where you retire generally right in the middle, you could be derailed rather quickly because that, that period of retirement, usually the five years or so, it could be a little more, a little less. You start to see this. People start shifting their focus. And I'm going to tell you the right way to do it. The right way to do it is you start visiting places that you want to move to if you're going to move, right? Three-day weekends, five-day weekends. Okay, I'm going to check it out. All right, here's where we'd like to go is this part of this, uh, this part of the state. And now you're going to spend longer weekends, maybe longer weeks, what side of the, of the city, this city, that city, so that you know where you eventually want to live if, if you're going to retire. Maybe it's a second home. 
but I want you to spend a little bit of time there. Okay. When you're doing that though, what should your assets, your money be doing? I think you should really adhere to what's called the rule of 100. It's a financial rule. It's a professional rule. We say take your age minus 100, and that's the amount of risk you should have in your portfolio. That means if you're 60 years old, 40% of your money should be in stocks, bonds, money market, mutual fund, wherever you have uh, flexibility of the amount of money you put in, meaning it can go up and down. You could lose money. They try to use big words, but the fact is they still get paid and you lose money. And you should have the other side of it, 60%, should be in safer, protected growth, reasonable growth, but protected assets. Money market, CDs, fixed annuities, fixed indexed annuities, a lot of the universal life, whole life insurance policies, when built correctly, the job of those dollars is to not go backwards. You're not going to try to hit a home run. You've already worked 20, 30, 40 years. The job of working was to build your assets. People think that when they retire, they're supposed to have that same mindset. Well, I want to grow my money. I want to double my money. I want to get double-digit returns. I had somebody <laughs> come in the other day and says, Eric, you know, a 6% rate of return, that just isn't enough. I'm 74 years old. I want to make more money. I said, okay, well, then I'm not the right person for you. He said, well, right, he's, he's thinking I'm going to try to convince him. I, I said, look, if you're 74 and you have enough money to live on in retirement and you want to protect that amount, that's what I'm here for. If you don't have enough money in retirement and you're 74, then there's nothing I can do for you because you need to take huge risks. In other words, risk losing some or most, if not all of your money in order to get the kind of growth that you need so that you can retire anywhere close to the next two or three or four years because you're 74. Now, if you think you're never going to retire, then that's different. Then play with your money. Just hopefully your joints work, your back works, your mind still works. People still pay you and you can do whatever you want to do without worrying about any physical limitations. But that five years before and after for most people is a dangerous time. So I'm going to spend a minute on it. What if you're laid off? What if another reaction to the pandemic is similar to the next reaction to the pandemic and the last reaction to the pandemic that puts you out of business? A lot of people were 57, 59 years old, 62, and they were going to still work, but they got laid off. They said, sorry, don't come in anymore. When you have unions that, that run the teachers' union, guys, they are no short, nothing short of a, of a criminal organization. They had zero use for the will and the desire and the understanding of the educators. They, they relegated them to a very confusing, uh, incorrect system for most of their, their students. And the poor educators couldn't figure out, in many cases, how to teach a way that they had never learned. And yet the unions were trying to push and pull and use this to get more money out. What a, what a mess. When the truth is, remember, it's the reaction. The truth is, just like HIV was not going to infect heterosexual monogamous couples, it wasn't going to impact elementary school kids. 
And yet they have these poor little guys running around with the mask. Uh, let me tell you, I'd have pulled my kids out of school in a minute. They're not wearing a stinking mask. You're not supposed to breathe the same air that your body just said it's going to get rid of. Right? I mean, you don't do that. What are you thinking? These are little people. But I digress. Your job lays you off. You have a divorce. The amount of people divorcing. Financially changing, devastating. I just had one uh, two couple, three days ago. They were married 27 years. 27 years. It's a long time. What about the one that came in that was 38 years? Divorce. I don't, I don't know. Listen, I, I have learned a long time ago not to, to judge or, or to, I guess the right word is, is to uh, comment on marriages because things that happen behind closed doors, nobody ever really knows. But I can make a judgment about the actual divorce. I think that's horrible. I, I think you're not supposed to do that. So I, I don't know the reasons behind it. Everybody's different, I guess. But one person always gets hosed, if not both. Almost never do both people come out of divorce and say, well, at least I'm the same as I was financially before. Everybody is impacted. Some, often the lady gets hurt the most, but not, not all the time. And sometimes it's death. In that five-year window, you have plans. I had a client who was building a house. He was about halfway done with the house. He and his wife were going to retire there. They were back and forth because it was in another area, another state. And the house was maybe halfway done and she passed away. Unexpectedly, nobody knew. So that changes the divorce plan. uh, Sorry, the uh, retirement plans. It changes the plans that you have in your life that you were planning on the way you were going to spend money, etc. So I want you to think about this. Because the part that I think that is going to impact everyone, all of those other things impact some people, of course. But what's the part that impacts everyone? It's when the market drops. When there's a decline in the market, when you have a collapse in the stock market, and you thought you were saving, having, protecting, planning your money, If you are within that five-year window of retirement, either before or after retirement, then I think you have to start saving and protecting. I think you have to start setting aside the right amount of money to say, if all heck breaks loose, at least I have this much to live on. If, If everything falls apart, I can buy myself five years or 10 years of income until it all comes back. That's a great plan, by the way. You figure out what you need to earn per year. You times that by 10 and of the rest of your assets, put that in the safe side, put that in a fixed annuity, fixed indexed annuity, put that in a place like a money market or a CD away from fees, away from risk, build that as a safe place. And then you want to play with the rest of it. Great. Right. People use that as an option. One of the other phases that we see in retirement is when people are in that full fledged retirement. Right? It's often a, like a liberation or a, or a honeymoon phase. I always say the men will buy the motorcycles and the, the sailboats and the RVs. They go. They want to leave. They want to they flee, basically, like they're out of jail. It sounds a little rude, but like they're out of jail. 
And a lady wants to retreat. She wants to redo the kitchen, redo the bath, change the backyard, right? Buy another house and redo it and build it. So she wants to come in and he wants to go out. Not all the time, not everybody, but we see that pretty regularly. There's also this phase of reconnecting with family. We're going to go visit my sister who's back in Boston. We're going to go visit my brother. We haven't seen him for for four years since dad passed away in, in Arkansas. Right? So there's a little bit of that reconnecting of spending time with friends and family and hobbies. And you're going to see this kind of routine that you start settling into after the, the craziness, after the honeydew list is done, where this third stage really starts to flip in. Now, I, I've shared with you before how important purpose is in retirement. Now, if you're in that five-year window before and after, I want that time period to be about uh, kind of redoing the hobbies, the skills. We had a client who was a, an engineer at one of the, the defense uh, aerospace companies. Engineer, smart guy. He retired. He got one of the early buyouts many years ago, took his money. And here's what he decided to do. He said, Arif, uh, I'd like to paint. So he started painting. He took some classes. He has a particular thing he likes to paint, a particular way. So he started taking classes. So that's what he spends his time doing. He volunteers and he paints. Now, you wouldn't say that that is some, you know, sexy retirement adventure. No, no, no. His purpose is about getting better and painting and helping out others. So, because he did that early on in, in the first phase of retirement, which is generally the five or six or seven years before retirement, he started kind of getting into that. It, it continued like a thread throughout the rest of his years. So that common denominator, that thing that really was important to him, that it kind of allowed him to have something to do, a reason to wake up, a place to go. And if you don't address this, in the third stage, if you don't address purpose and boredom and loneliness, it's often a time when people say, wow, I wish I would go back to work. And many do. Now, sometimes you go back to work and here's the problem. You go back to work and everything has changed. It's different technology, different coworkers, a different boss, a different system. When you used to be like the person they would go see, now they, most people don't even know you. They might have heard a story or two about you, but that's it. And now you come in, you work for less money. But your goal was just to get out of the house. You hated retirement. Wasn't fun. Took you a week and a half to finish, you know, cleaning the garage and the closets and redoing the pantry and what else. That's it. So the purpose has to be early on. And if it's if you're in the middle of this now, it isn't too late to start a purpose, just know that you're going to spend a little bit more time in boredom, loneliness, and this feeling of uselessness. I'm sorry. But you got to protect it from going into depression because it happens. The rate of seniors committing suicide is actually a very high number because nobody comes around anymore. Right Where we see it a lot is one of the people pass away, usually the husband, of course, but let's say the husband passes away. And then everybody surrounds the wife with love and attention. 
And then after a bit, two and a half weeks later, the daughter has to go back to her family in Phoenix and the son has to get back to work up in Sacramento. And the daughter has to go back to her family up in Seattle and the mom is kind of left alone. And while she's trying to figure out what she's doing, right, it becomes very lonely. I want to take a sidestep here for a second because this just happened and again, and we've seen this time and again. Folks, if your parents remarry, if your dad remarries because the wife, you know, his wife, your mother passed away, shame on you for, for making him feel bad or guilty. This happened to a friend of mine. His kids that were adults and had children of their own felt like he didn't deserve to have any relationships, to be married, to do... This man lived and respected his wife all through her illness. And when she passed away, he mourned for a long time. And when he started dating or seeing other people, boy, the kids got all bent out of shape as if it was some disrespect to mom. If that's you, I want you to stop. How dare you decide the loneliness uh, is a requirement for, for your parent? How dare you decide that you have any right to have an opinion on it, right? Just hit the like or dislike button on Facebook. Goodness gracious. You have no business deciding whether or not your parent can have a friend or a relationship or an intimate relationship or be remarried. As long as they don't hurt them, disrespect them, or cause them pain, it's just, we're seeing this. And they come to my office and they're in great uh, turmoil because they want to keep their family happy, their kids happy, but they're lonely and they hate the loneliness. And so then they have to act like a teenager. They hide the relationship from their kids or they pretend like they're going with a girlfriend and they're going with the guy or right to a, up to the, up the coast or up to the mountains or right. Another stage that we're finding guys, and this is a pretty big deal in retirement is we're finding this change that's happening called a reorientation, meaning the new normal. You have to quick, you quickly go through your list of things to do. You quickly get through this rut of def- uh, uh, and depression. Hopefully you don't fall into it. And you start looking around and saying, okay, where's that purpose in life? Remember, I told you, you should have this from the beginning. But even if you don't, you can get it again. Find something new. Do a list of 10 things you would never do. Like, I would never jump out of a plane. I would never go to India. I would never go and, right? Do the list of 10 things you would never do. And then what I want you to do is to do one of them. Pretty important. Because you're the, you know, you're, you're a retired person. Your kids, you've, you've done your job. You raised your children. They're educated. They, they have their own foundation. Now, some of them chose to 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 figure it out. Some are lazy bums. That's their own business. You've done your job. It's over. But this final stage of getting through a reconciliation, a stability, or that new normal, right? Volunteering has become a thing. Now you get into that next uh, stage and it may take 10, 12, 15 years from the time you actually retired. I think you get here sooner when you work longer. Meaning if you work till age 68, 70, 72, 74, if you work later, you get to this stage of uh, basically being at peace sooner. 
That's been my experience. Because along the way, the, one of the biggest risks in the middle of this journey is that you spend money on stuff. There are a lot of you that have houses full of junk. I mean, you're nice people, but the shows, what do they call it? Uh, hoarding, right? It's a, it's a mental issue. It's a mental disease. And it's often around depression. It's often around a lack of self-worth, not self-esteem. Prisons are filled with people with self-esteem, right? They think they deserve to take your stuff. They don't have very much self-worth. They don't think of themselves as worthy to not steal your things, to, to stoop down to that level, but self-esteem all day long. The schools, you know, teach self-esteem. I'm like, you guys, we taught our kids self-worth. Self-esteem is not your business. Teach them reading, writing, and arithmetic. History, sociology, love of the country. Anyway, this fifth stage, here's where it happens, guys. Not every person will experience the same stage with an intensity or it's not going to be a moment in time where you, where you snap your fingers and you wake up one day and now you are part of the retired lifestyle. It's the new normal. It's this transition. It's what you call normal, right? Very few people have a moment in time when that occurs, but it can. It can be an amazing vacation. It can be a a, a volunteer slash vacation, right? Where you go to, to Guatemala or India or Africa. Maybe as a guest of somebody, maybe you go just to kind of observe or help and you get involved and that's the moment in time when you go, this is it. This is what I'm meant to do for the rest of my days on earth is to be a missionary of sorts, to be a volunteer, to take the skill set that you had, whether it be organizational skill set, whether it be uh, logistics, whether it be uh, a person who is a great leader, and you're taking those skills and you have now found a place for the next 10, 15, maybe 20, maybe 20 plus years of your life. And you've taken that transition and you can, you can set your watch to it, right? I, my, my, one of my kids can do that. They, they can say, this is when my career choice changed was at this moment when I was 16 years old. So there are incidents like that when you can see what happened. But you can help ease this overwhelming emotional moment in time by spending more time with friends and family And just because somebody is family doesn't mean they have to be a friend. This overriding uh, of guilt that runs through our life because you can't be with your sibling because the sibling has chose addiction. They chose the wrong friends or family. They chose a spouse or, or a boyfriend or girlfriend that is just so toxic. It doesn't mean that is where you should spend your time. You're not a therapist and job where your job is to go and try to figure them out. It's not what it is. Your job, on the other hand, is very simple. You find the people that you like to hang out with. If they are family, man, you are a blessed person. If you can have a sibling that's a friend, wow, you are, you are a rare find. And I think you should cherish that. And I think you should honor that. But if you're not, 
some of your siblings sometimes uh, have chosen a spouse that wanted to steal from mom. We just had that recently, right? There's nothing more powerful than the whisper in the ear of the person you share a bed with who tells you, don't let your brother treat you that way. He's trying to take your mom's money. Or don't let your sister do that. She thinks that she's going to... That's a very powerful influence, that person. And sometimes your sibling will not be strong enough to fight that off. So that's a very scary time. And I think, you know, look, retirement is about enjoying life. When you have some or part of your money in a safe place, the peace of mind that you get from not, ready for this, from not having to watch the news every day, to not having to worry about is Bitcoin this or Amazon that or, or Tesla or who cares? Your life should be about enjoying peace of mind, having some or part of your money stay, uh, you know, stable, safe, protected from those market declines. And by the way, earning a reasonable rate of return, you know, is it, is it horrible to try to earn or want to earn, I don't know, three, four, five percent on average? Is it horrible to want to earn maybe every once in a while a double-digit return? I don't think so. I think you should. I think you could. And have some of that money safe. All right, that's what we do. Total Financial Solutions, TFS Financial Insurance Services. That's who we are. We have offices all around. Uh, and Plus, we do a lot of the Zoom meetings. You know, I, I didn't understand it at first. I'm not the I'm not the most tech-savvy person in the world, but I have great staff and they've helped us out and of course today it's like second nature. So sometimes we'll have our meetings uh on video conferencing, sometimes in person, sometimes a telephone. If there's anything I can do to help, please give us a call. It's 888-99 retire. That's 888-997-3847. It's my honor to help. It's a privilege actually. And I take this very seriously. If I can be a part of that solution for you, then please reach out. My name is Arif Hallaby, the Total Financial Hour, your place for news, talk, and information. Thanks for being with me. You have a great day. Learn from Arif Halaby. Learn about financial power, the Total Financial.